0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus as your campus. Thanks again for joining us today. and We hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. I think it was a couple months ago I was afforded the opportunity to officiate a funeral. And sometimes people will come to you, especially when you're in this position, they'll ask for some help with those services. And it's always an honor to do that. And at this particular funeral, there was just this emotional feeling in the family that things were just kind of unsettled. People were experiencing grief, they're experiencing loss, they're experiencing sadness, all sorts of emotions. And everybody was just kind of in this unsettled state of being. And I'm I'm standing around, I'm looking at this, I'm trying to figure out how I can serve, how I can help. And luckily for me, Pastor Rachel Long, she's one of our executive pastors on staff, and she's somebody that I go to a lot for for advice and counsel. I think she's at Garfield Park today. And I asked her, I was like, how can I help in this moment? What can I do to, to serve? And she said, you know, sometimes it's really great for people to just have an opportunity to stand or sit before God and just be silent because then internally they can go to him for whatever they need in that moment. It might be to be consoled for guidance, to pray for somebody else. And I think that based on the events of this past weekend, I think that's probably what we need at this point. For those of you that are joining us today, either at the Greenwood campus or all of our multi-sites, microsites, if you're joining us online, there was a mass shooting at the Greenwood Park Mall in our community. I think it's, it's rocked a lot of us and it's left a lot of us feeling unsettled. So what I would like to do in the next few moments is just, I would like to ask every one of you to just please bow your heads and just go to God right now. You just be silent, you be still before him. And I'm gonna read a passage from Psalms and then we're gonna have a moment of silence before we continue with our service. But in Psalm 25 verses four and five, it says this, "'Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Thank you. Thank you for that moment. Thank you for your prayers. And I would ask you to continue to pray for all those people who have been affected and please pray that God's will will prevail through these troubling and difficult times. Okay, tough week, big moment, deep breath, let's go. We are in a series called Acts to Grind. We're in week number four, but before we get started, I should probably introduce myself. My name is Cody Johnson. I'm the campus pastor here at our Emanuel Church Greenwood campus. Welcome to Emmanuel. I'd like to say a special welcome to anyone who's joining us at any of our other campuses, whether it be Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Seymour Online. We've got some micro sites here joining us in Terre Haute and Mooresville. If you're a first-time guest and somebody's been inviting you and you finally said yes, we want to welcome you as well. Can we give it up for anybody that's joining us for the first time? That's a big deal to come for the first time to a church, especially if it's a, if it's a little bit intimidating for that person. Man, that's a that's a lot to go to church the first time, so we, we appreciate that about you. We're in a series called Axe to Grind. We're in week number four, and I want to talk a little bit about the definition of what an axe to grind is before we dive into my personal axe to grind today. So the definition we've been working with for the past few weeks is simply this. An axe to grind is an issue that needs to be eliminated or changed in our lives so we can experience the abundant life that God has for us now. If you missed the first three weeks, I would highly encourage you to go back and check them out because we've got to hear from some pretty incredible speakers. In week number one, we heard from Pastor Aaron Beasley, who was talking about the victim versus victor mentality. In week number two, we heard from your very own online campus pastor, Pastor Matt Scobell, he talked about our mental mess. And then last week in week number three, we heard from Pastor Andy Schroeder from the Seymour campus talking about Sunday Christians. And today, my ax to grind is foolishness. Foolishness. Now, this probably sounds odd coming from me. Because if you've ever spent more than 30 seconds around me, you know that I am kind of a goofball. I will joke on occasion with people. I love to be silly, whether it's with my teammates here at the Greenwood campus, although I'm usually the brunt of most of the jokes here. I love to be silly with my kids, I love to be silly with my brothers and my dad, I love to be silly with my life, I I love to have fun, I love to laugh, and I love to just be a big goofball. I grew up that way, and I'm, I'm still that way, even at 35 years old, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about today. Foolishness is a little bit different. So the question we need to ask is, what is foolishness? If not silliness, if not goofiness, what is foolishness? Well, the definition that I found that I really enjoyed that I think sums it up beautifully is this. Foolishness is misusing the intelligence God has given us. God grants us intelligence. He grants us knowledge about things, about the way things should work, about himself through this amazing holy Bible. We get a lot of intelligence and a lot of knowledge from this book, and we misuse it, and that is foolishness. So what's my axe to grind with foolishness? What's my problem with it? My problem, I think, can be summarized by this next statement. We think we are so wise. Don't we? We think we're so wise. We think we're so smart. We think we got all this figured out. Life, love, business, relationships. Man, we think we got everything zipped up, locked away. We know better than everybody. And I'm no different. I have been there at many points in my life. I've thought I was so wise. I knew better, I figured it out. I have done that with parenting. Man, I thought I, thought I was good to go because my wife and I have been blessed. We've got two healthy daughters. We've got a seven-year-old named Parker. We've got a three-year-old named Carson. And by the time the three-year-old came around, number two, I thought, you know what, we're good. Like, I'm good, I got this. I've been through one of them. I didn't grow up with any sisters, but I, I've got two little girls now. I, I've, I've experienced it a little bit. And then Carson came into our lives and show me that I know nothing. (laughs) Because in the past week, the past week, she's three years old, she was caught in the living room, buck naked, dancing and brushing her hair and singing in front of the mirror. (laughs) And in that same week, she was caught flipping her older sister the bird. (laughs) So I don't think my wife and I will be winning Johnson County Parents of the Year this year. We might have to wait until next year to enter that contest. I know what some of you might be thinking. I wonder where she learned that. <laughs> my wife and I greet each other with five fingers. We do not give each other the four-finger discount in our home, I assure you. <laughs> so I thought I knew something about being a parent. I don't. I, I'm, I'm learning. I will learn my whole life. It humbled me to the dust. I thought I knew something about being a school counselor. Man, I thought I had. I thought I had a really, really good path to start with. Graduated from Butler, that school counseling program. Go dogs! And I thought I thought I knew. I had some really great classes, some really great professors, internship experiences with some really great counselors, and I thought, you know, that first week at Franklin Community High School, we're going to take off, we're going to be running, we're going to change the world. And then the dean of students walked in week number one, and he said, "Hey, uh, two students from your part of the alphabet were caught being." physically intimate in the cafeteria. I'm gonna need you to call them down and navigate why that's inappropriate. You gotta talk them through that. And then also there's a young man who is definitely not wearing deodorant and his body odor is causing a lot of distraction in the classroom. The teacher is physically gagging. So you're gonna to need to call him down. <laughs> navigate these two situations. I'll check back in later. Let me know how it goes. Thanks, talk to you. And so I start thumbing through the books. I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff. When did we, what, we didn't talk about this at all in grad school. Where, where is the stuff? I knew nothing, I knew nothing. I think I know something about being a sports fan. I don't know if any of you are sports fans in here. I am a a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles National Football League team. And I know, I don't know if you are aware of this, but the past two speakers, Pastor Matt Scobell and Pastor Annie Schroeder are Dallas Cowboys fans. Big rival of the Philadelphia Eagles. So I would just ask you to keep them in your prayers. Obviously, they need wisdom, and they, they need, God needs to work in their heart in a massive way. I will continue to pray for you, gentlemen. But every year, the NFL draft comes around. I don't know how many of you watch the draft, especially if you're Colts fans or whatever, and you think, this is the guy they need to pick. This will save us. This will be the person. They're, they're, like, if they just pick this, if they just listen to me with my high school football playing experience and no college and no pro experience, this will solve all the franchise's problems, I assure you. And then they draft the guy, and then he's out of the league in a year because I don't know anything. We all think that we know how everything works, and we think we're so wise. But we're talking right now, we're joking, we're laughing a little bit, but if we would just go to 1 Corinthians 8, 2, we would see that anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. This is in the Bible. How practical is that? It's great. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't know very much, and I'm no different. But as we sit here and joke, this is all fun and games, but this this is a little bit of a problem. But why is this a problem? Why is this a problem, this false sense of wisdom? What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is this. We're going to spend some time in Proverbs today, and I want to let you know exactly what Proverbs is because we're going to be referring to it a lot. Proverbs is a book in the Bible, and it was written by a guy named King Solomon. He was the son of David, and he was given the opportunity to be the king of Israel. And one day, God came to him in a dream, and he said, Solomon, I will give you whatever you want. Just ask for it. You want a Ferrari 458 Italia? I'll give it to you. Whatever you want. And Solomon says, well, you've just made me ruler over this group of people. And I don't really know what I'm doing. So what I would love is some wisdom. If you could impart that to me, that'd be great. And God was very pleased by this. So not only did he give him a little bit of wisdom, he gave him the most wisdom. King Solomon is referred to as the wisest man that ever lived. And he gathered all of his thoughts and all of his teachings in the book of Proverbs. So we can trust the book of Proverbs, not only because it is biblical, but it's, becoming, it's coming from the wisest man who ever lived who was given wisdom by God. So that sets the baseline. So why is this false sense of wisdom, this thing, a problem? Well, if you look in Proverbs 26, verses 1 through 11, it lays out the trappings and the perils of being a fool why it's so dangerous, why it can cause us so much trouble. It just goes bang, 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 point after point after point. And it's really great, and it's really true. But then it goes to Proverbs 26, 12. It says something very interesting. It says this. It says, there is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Why would that be? I think it's because this... This category, this people who think they are wise, it's like the upper tier of foolishness, but we don't think it because we're blind to it because we think we have everything figured out and it gets us into a lot of trouble and there have been so many countless examples throughout human existence where this has popped up, but in Greek mythology, there's a story of a guy named Icarus that kind of embodies this idea pretty well. How many of you have heard the story of Icarus? Okay, there were a lot of people last night at the Greenwood campus that heard of it. Three hands went up, so it was really good. Had a few more here today. The story of Icarus can be summarized like this. Icarus was a young guy. He had a dad named Daedalus. Daedalus was a wonderful inventor, very sharp guy. Daedalus falls out of favor with the king of Crete. He's banished to this island that he can't get off of. And since Icarus is Daedalus' son, he's banished there as well. Tough break, not really great. So Daedalus being the inventor, he's like, I'm going to think of a way to get us off this rock. I'm going to invent us some wings. So Daedalus and Icarus get some wings that are made of wax and feathers. Maybe now it's jogging your memory a little bit. So Daedalus, Daedalus looks to his son Icarus and he gives him a little bit of wisdom. He says, hey, when we fly off this rock, if you get too close to the ocean, do you know what's going to happen? Your wings are going to become too heavy because the water's going to get on the feathers and you're going to fall and you're going to drown. You're going to die. If you fly too close to the sun... Because your wings are made of wax, what's going to happen? Talk to me. They're going to melt. Yeah, they're going to melt. You're going to fall into the ocean. You're going to drown. You're going to die. Now, Icarus was not wise. Icarus was foolish. False sense of wisdom. He was arrogant. He was cocky. He thought he knew better. So what happened to Icarus? He flew too close to the sun. And well, here you see the result. Icarus is on the right, by the way. He fell. And what is true for Icarus is true for us if we don't get this under control. It's that our foolishness and our false sense of wisdom will be our undoing. We will fall. You might fall in your job, you might fall at work, because if you're the type of person who thinks you know everything, you got that false sense of wisdom, and everybody around you is a moron and they're dumb. If they would just listen to me, if the boss would just come to me, if he would just listen to me, if he would just take my advice, if he would just let me do the presentation, if he would just let me do all the stuff, the company would be in a much better place. I don't know why anybody didn't listen to me. I don't know why I didn't get promoted. So stupid, stupid, stupid. If that's how you act, you're likely going to be let go. And then when you're let go, it will be everyone else's fault because you know better and you won't learn the lesson. That happens that way in relationships. You will fall in relationships if you have this false sense of wisdom. Who wants to be married or in any type of relationship with someone who thinks they know it all? That'd be awful. Some of you are in a relationship right now. I'm very sorry. (laughs) But you can't go to them for anything. They don't listen. They don't care. They don't have any empathy because they know everything. You just need to do exactly what they say and then life will be good for you. But I think the worst thing that happens when we have this false sense of wisdom and where our greatest fall will come from will be in our intimacy and our relationship with God. Because when you know everything, you don't need God. Some of you here today don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this might be the thing that's preventing you from fully trusting in Jesus. You got a job. You're in a relationship. You got some money. You got a Tesla. You got a nice car. Why do I need God for but even Christians, people who trust in God, still wrestle with this type of internal complex. And that's hard. And that's one of the biggest dangers. And I think for all of us sitting here today, we want to do everything we can to avoid that. Yes, would you agree? Yeah, me too, same. So we have a couple of questions that we need to ask if we want to avoid the traps of that false sense of wisdom. We need to first ask this question, what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be wise? There's some really great definitions out there, dictionary definitions, and then we're going to get to the biblical definition. Let's start with the dictionary first. Here's what it means to be wise. The ability to discern what is true, right, or lasting. And I love this definition because for for us, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, what is true, right, or lasting? God. In his word, his wisdom that is poured out through the Holy Bible, this is true, right, and lasting. We go to this for the barometer of what is true, right, and lasting. We go to this for wisdom. So biblically speaking, what is wisdom? Where does it start? If you go to Proverbs 9, it says this. It says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in understanding. Let's pause here for a second. Because if you're a new Christ follower, somebody who hasn't trusted in Christ yet, those first four words, fear of the Lord, that can be kind of weird or intimidating. What does that mean, fear of the Lord? Is he like the biblical boogeyman? Should I be terrified of God? That's not what it means. It means awe reverence, the deepest honor, the highest respect, an unending love for God. He tells me to do things and I obey him, not because of legalism and a bunch of rules, but because I love him so deeply and I know what he has done for me. That's fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Because when I have this in my life, it helps me to truly understand how I should approach the trappings of false sense of wisdom. Here's what it says in Proverbs 8. It says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Well, what type of evil? Glad you asked. That is why I hate pride, arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. Didn't we just talk about all those things? When I have the fear of the Lord and I go to him for wisdom, then I can, I can hate pride. I can hate arrogance. I can never get too puffed up because I know the source of my wisdom. I know it's not me. I know my job is not to be the wise oak tree amidst a forest of idiots. That's not my job. My job is to be humble. It is to seek wisdom from God. I won't be corrupt because I know the perils of corruption. I won't try to outsmart it and think, eh, most people will get caught. Most people will go to jail for that. I'm not going to because I'm smarter than that. In perverse speech, oh, my goodness. When you think you are are wiser than everybody else, you don't have to respect them. They're not worthy of your respect, and you can talk down to them. But when you gain wisdom from God and you have fear of the Lord, and he is working inside your heart to transform you into a being that is more like his son, man, you're not going to talk in a perverse way to anybody. It's beautiful what wisdom can do if you can gain it from God. Okay, so we know what it is. That's good. That's great. It's a good start. How do we become wise? What is the process for this? Now, I want to give you the full, I want to give you a caveat with this, This is not a comprehensive talk on how you and I become wise. There are so many different ways that you can become wise, and I encourage you to dive into this book to explore more ways. I just want to talk about a couple ideas that I think might be helpful for all of us today. Okay? Especially online, everybody watching? Okay, good. So the first idea, the first thing in our our path to become wise, I think we need to check the ego. This might be tough for some of you. It's tough for me at times. I get it. We all have an ego, an inflated sense of self. I understand I think we need to check that as often as possible. There's a book called Leadership in Turbulent Times. It's written by a woman named Doris Kearns Goodwin. She profiles four presidents, gives us their background, their presidency, a crisis they faced, and how they responded to it. It's a really wonderful book, especially if you enjoy history. If you don't like history, that probably sounds like the most boring book ever written. (laughs) But one of the presidents she talks about is Abraham Lincoln. We call him honest Abe. I think humble Abe might be a better description after what one of his buddies said about him in this book. One of his friends said, when he, Abraham Lincoln, was ignorant on any subject, no matter how simple it might make him appear, he was always willing to acknowledge it. We don't see that a lot in society today, do we? We see a lot of the opposite. We see a lot of, uh, I'll just make up an answer now. i have my opinion. This is what I need to say, right? This is, this is humility. This is checking the ego. I don't don't really know. I don't have enough information to have an informed opinion, so I'm just going to sit this one out. We don't see that a lot, especially on social media. And we also don't take this posture, this this humble checking the ego posture, which is displayed by our former president. So we also don't take this when we consider us in relationship to God. Because when you think you have that false sense of wisdom and you you cannot take this posture, man, you think you know everything, right? But I think... What Paul says to us when he's writing to the the Roman church in Romans 5, verse 6, we're going to go over that in just a moment, but what I think he's about ready to share with all of us is something that we need to be cognizant of, we need to think about it as often as we possibly can, and it's something that not a lot of us think about. We don't think of ourselves this way, but it's good, and I think that we probably should. Now, this, what I'm about to share with you might step on your toes a little bit, and if it does, I hope it doesn't hurt too much. It stepped on mine for sure. But I want to share this. It's one verse. I'm going to break it up into two parts. And I want to walk it out and take a little bit of time to do so. Here's what Paul had to say to the Roman church. When we were utterly helpless. Stop. How many of you think of yourselves as utterly helpless? Please raise your hand. Not a lot of hands going up. What about the other campuses? Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Seymour Online, multi-sites, Microsites. At Greenwood, there was like four hands that went up. We don't think of ourselves as being utterly helpless. It's one of the most un-American ideas in existence. I've accumulated wisdom. I've worked really hard to get where I am. I am somebody that can help. I am somebody that can make a difference. If people would just come to me, I can tell them the path. I'm not helpless. I fought to get where I am. I've worked really, really hard, and that might be true, but I don't think that's what Paul is talking about. And I think that we need to think of ourselves in a different way, especially in light of how God sees us. We are addicts. We are addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to sex, to pornography. We're addicted to food. The way that we talk to each other, vile. Awful the way that we talk to each other. Not even non-Christians. Christians especially, the way that we talk to each other and the way that we address each other, oh my goodness, we're terrible to each other. No manners, no consideration. We seek self preservation first above everything else. It's all about me. And I'm humble only up until the point that I don't get my way. And then if I don't get my way, man, I turn into a different person. We think we have everything figured out. But God looked upon us and He's like, man, they just don't get it. They're utterly helpless. And we forget what God did for us in our arrogance and our pride. We forget what God did for us. And it's, it's explained in the next passage of this verse. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. If you forget that you're an utterly helpless sinner, you need to read this and check your ego and read it every day until it is cemented in your heart and in your soul. Because according to God, we are all utterly helpless sinners. And when you have a false sense of wisdom, you look at everybody else as utterly helpless sinners. And we need to realize that this description is not for other people. It's for us. It's for me. All of us. We are utterly helpless sinners. And when you can internalize this, it helps you check your ego in a massive way. And it helps you navigate life and it helps you treat people with respect and honor. But we don't always do that. Let's take this past weekend, for example. Like many of you, on Sunday, I think it was about six o'clock, my family and I were finishing dinner. The girls were taking the plates into the kitchen. My wife got a phone call, and the person wanted to talk to me, and so they gave me the phone, I'm talking to him, and they said there's been a mass shooting at the Greenwood Park Mall. And we don't have a lot of information, we've heard from the police, We're trying to gather more. We don't know if anybody from the church or anybody that we know has been involved. We don't know how many casualties there are. We don't know a lot, but we're gonna keep you up to date. So naturally I did probably what a lot of you did and I grabbed my phone, I grabbed this thing. And I got online and I'm looking at news outlets and I'm going to Twitter and I'm going to Facebook. And I'm hitting that refresh button, I'm trying to scroll. I'm trying to see the latest updates, what's going on, what's happening, because I, I want to know. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's true and right and lasting. I don't know what's real. But when I got on this, I didn't see a lot of that. I didn't see a lot of information. I'll tell you what I saw. I saw a lot of Proverbs 18.2. Do you know what that says? Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool or fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Saw a lot of that, did you? I'll Tell you how I saw that. It was mainly two camps, but I saw it, but I'll try to summarize it really well. Here's camp one. I told you if everybody would have just listened to me, and if everybody would have a gun, and if everybody would carry a gun, none of this would happen. See, I told you. That's camp one. Here's camp two. See, I told you, if you would've just listened to me and nobody had a gun, then this never would've happened. No one should have an AR-15, nobody. And then as you see that, you get a little sprinkling of Proverbs 14, 21. It says this in Proverbs 14, 21. It says, it is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Did you know it said that in the Bible? Because we give this one a pass a lot, don't we? Especially if people disagree with us. Oh, you don't think people should have a gun? You're an idiot. You're a moron. Oh, you, you do think people should have a gun? That's what you believe? You think that everybody should have a gun? You're an idiot. You're a buffoon. You are, insert a cuss word as an adjective to describe whatever vile, perverse thing we want to call people. Meanwhile, there are dead bodies in a food court. miles from where we live. Police, firefighters, EMTs, first responders are sprinting to the scene exhibiting courage the likes of us will never have to exhibit, unknowing about what they're going to encounter when we get there. Are we thinking of them? No, absolutely not. Are we thinking of the employees that just showed up to the food court who are trying to make a living, who are trying to get to the next paycheck? Are we thinking about the families that are affected? Are we thinking about the families that can't find their own kids and they're trying to text them and figure out where they're at because they don't know where they are and they heard they were going out with their buddies to hang out on a Sunday? No, I have to get this opinion out. This is the most important thing right now. Foolishness. And it's foolish because in that moment, we're not thinking of God. We're thinking of us. Our knowledge, our wisdom, our opinion. I have to get it out. That's the most important thing. I am kind of playing God in this moment. Because I know if everybody just listened to me, we'd be fine. But Pastor Ashley Schneider from our Franklin campus said something really wise Wednesday morning we were discussing the talk. She said, it is our responsibility to reflect God, not to play God. Because when I can check my ego in that moment and realize that it's just an opinion and I don't know the answer to this situation, then I can take a step back and I can have some compassion for the families and the first responders and I can discern what is true and right and lasting about that moment, about what God might be trying to do in that moment instead of just focusing on my own opinion. And when I can check my ego that way, it will remove me from this position of being the teacher, the wise oak tree, the great educator, and I can become a student again. I can become a pupil, which when it comes to acquiring God's wisdom, you're going to be a pupil and you're going to be a student your whole life. And it allows us to progress to the last major idea of this talk, which is that we need to stay in school and never graduate when it comes to acquiring wisdom from God some of you are rolling your eyes so hard because you hated school. You didn't like it at all. You're like, oh geez, I graduated, I never wanna think about school again. I kinda liked it, I liked school a lot. School was fun, it was good stuff. But when you stay in school and you never graduate, especially with wisdom, you gotta realize that you're gonna be acquiring wisdom, God's wisdom, your whole life, and you're gonna be trying to push down that false sense of wisdom and superiority inside yourself. If you struggle with that today, man, me too, we're all gonna struggle with this. That's why we're doing this together across all of our campuses, we're all in this together. But this idea of staying in school and never graduating, it's this lifelong process. So what do you do in school? What are some things that you did in school to be a great student? Acquiring wisdom is no different. The first thing I think you got to do is you got to read. you got to read. And some of you, this is going to be really a struggle because you hate reading. I would say, even if you hate it, I think it's something that we need to get a little bit more proficient at, especially when it comes to this book, because to date, July 2022, there was no better way to acquire the wisdom of God and understand the wisdom of God than by reading this book. You don't have to read all of it in one day. You don't even have to read all of it in one year if you don't want to. Pastor Pastor Danny gave a guy some really great advice a few weeks ago. This guy comes down to the front. As a lot of people do after service, he's like, hey, I really wanna wanna grow. I really want my Bible reading to become more effective and more fruitful with my time with God, but I just don't know how to do that. Do you have any advice? And Pastor Daniel was like, oh yeah, for sure. He said, read one chapter of Proverbs a day. He said, if you start on January 1st and you read one chapter of Proverbs a day, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. By the end of January, you'll be done. And then in February 1st, you just start it over. He said, by the end of that year, guess what? You're gonna have, you will have read Proverbs 12 times. How much wiser will you be if you read Proverbs 12 times in a year? Holy smokes. Even if you do half that, you read half a book of, or half the chapter of Proverbs a day. You read through it six times in a year. Maybe you're going to become pretty wise. You're going to start to understand what God wants you to do in your life. And then you'll be able to kind of continue to the second idea, and you'll be able to try to understand how you can better apply it. Because it's not enough to know. It's not enough to know and read and memorize. All of those things are good, and all of those things are helpful, but we have to be able to apply what we're learning so that we can better understand God's will for our life, live the abundant life, and be of service to the community around us. That's what it's all about because if we just read and we don't do anything with it we're not being of service we are holding that wisdom and that knowledge inside and we can't serve anybody else around us so as we're reading trying to think about okay in this moment a fool has no desire for understanding the only one to air their own opinions is it the most important thing in this moment for me right now to fire off this social media post or Maybe should I wait until I get some more information, a more complete picture, and spend this time in prayer. And then after I learn about what happened, maybe I can look outside of myself and figure out how I can better serve the community. One example, how you apply it. Then the last thing I think we can do, I think we can find great teachers. Teachers, plural. Notice I said teachers. Even if you didn't like school, you had to have a couple teachers, two or three teachers that you really enjoyed. I had a bunch of teachers that made an impact on my life across different subjects, grade levels, find great teachers and acquiring wisdom from God is no different. There are people who might be further along than you in life, in a specific area of your life. Maybe it's as a a spouse, a child of God, a parent, a business owner, an entrepreneur with your finances. I don't know what it is, but there are people out there who can help you acquire the wisdom that God grants us to live a better life, to live a more abundant life. In the book Ego is the Enemy, Ryan Holiday interviews a guy named Frank Shamrock. Frank Shamrock was a former MMA fighter. He's a UFC champion and now he trains mixed martial artists as his profession. Listen to what he has to say about this lifelong student process and becoming a great teacher or finding great teachers. He says false ideas about yourself destroy you. For me, I always stay a student. That's what martial arts are about. And you have to use that humility as a tool. You put yourself beneath someone you trust. That's a key idea because when you put yourself beneath beneath someone you trust, you're giving them license to tell you the truth. Especially if you're getting a little sideways and you're getting a little off. If you're getting a little prideful, if you're getting a little arrogant, if you're becoming a little corrupt, if you're talking to people in a way that is not honoring God, you're thinking yourself a little puffed up, a little too wise, they will be honest with you and say, hey, I think we need to back that down a little bit. And Ryan Holiday continues this idea. He says, This idea of finding a great teacher begins by accepting that others know more than you. That's tough for some of us. And that you can benefit from their knowledge. And then seeking them out and knocking down the illusions that you have about yourself. That's what this entire message is all about knocking down the illusions that we have about ourselves. Sometimes we can do that with our quiet time with God. Sometimes we can do that. We read the Bible and we're convicted and we're like, You're right, God, you're right you're right, you're right, I need to change, I need to change internally, thank you for letting me know. Sometimes you need another person to sit across from you and say, hey man, you're out of line, you need to change, you're being foolish. That's what this is all about, knocking down these illusions. So we've got a path, we know what wisdom is, we know a a couple different steps about how to get in, I think this allows us to ask ourselves this last question as we leave today, and this last question is simply this, will you seek wisdom? Will you seek wisdom? Will you begin the process of seeking wisdom if this is something you haven't been thinking about up to this point in your life? And again, it's not all gonna happen overnight. You're not gonna open this book or put it against your head and just go, wise. That's not really how it works. It's a lifelong process. It requires patience. It requires humility. It requires you to seek out people who are wiser than yourself and say, I need some help. It requires you to read and apply what you are reading to your life so you can be a better servant of God and a better servant of your community. It requires you to check your ego continuously and constantly and not get so puffed up and angry if other people check your ego for you or if God checks your ego. Will you seek wisdom? Will you make that an aim and a goal for your life? And I know that there are some of you that are sitting here today who don't have a relationship with God, And you heard about Christ dying for us sinners for the first time, you're like, well, that's a pretty powerful idea. I don't really know what that's all about. But maybe you've been kind of resistant to Christ and you've been resistant to this whole church thing your whole life because you kind of think that, that you know everything and you got everything locked up and everything's in place. But in the back of your mind, maybe it's while you're laying in bed at night, you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've read self help book after self help book, I've listened to a thousand podcasts. I'm trying to humble myself continuously, constantly. I'm trying to do all those things, but there's something missing. There's like this void in my heart, this ice ball in my gut that I can't get rid of. What is that? I think it might be the fact that you're trying to fill that void with all of the wrong things. And maybe for you, the wisdom that you might need to hear today is that there was somebody that lived and there was somebody that died for a very specific purpose, not just for me, not just for the people in all of our campuses, but for you as well. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, coming to this earth, living a perfect, sinless existence. He was the physical embodiment of wisdom, physical embodiment of it. He had all this power at his disposal, and he chose to give it up and give it away for one purpose and one purpose only, to be a servant, to be a slave of mankind, and to die for our sins. He would die on a cross. And this death signified the payment of the debt that we all owed for our sins. It is covered by him and by his blood, by his death. And as if that wasn't enough, he died and rose from the grave three days later, conquering the penalty of not only sin, but death as well. And if you place your faith in him today, If you repent and you say, man, I have screwed up, I've made mistakes, I have been puffed up, prideful, false sense of wisdom, I've done it all. I wanna walk with you today. If you do that and you go to him in prayer and you accept this beautiful gift, you can be his child today. So I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You take these words, you make them your own. However, However you need to go to Jesus and say this, you can say it. And I would say for anybody else that's joining us at all of our other campuses, at the Greenwood campus right here, if you're joining us right now and you've already made that decision, pray for the person next to you because they're about to make the most important decision of their life. Let's pray. Jesus, today I've heard something amazing. That you died for me on a cross. I've heard that your death covers the penalty of my sins. Jesus, I wanna give up my false sense of wisdom today. And I wanna place my faith in your wisdom. I believe that you died for me on a cross. I believe that you rose again three days later, and I want to follow you. Jesus, wash me, cleanse me. Show me what it means to be your child and to seek your wisdom for the rest of my life. Jesus, I love you, and it is in his name that we humbly pray and we all said, amen. If you just made that decision, whether you're at the Greenwood campus, any of the multi-site campuses, online, microsites, we want to celebrate with you. Can we celebrate for anybody that's made that decision? Most important decision of your life and we have a gift for you. It is called our save box. If you text the word saved to number 65248, then we would love to put one of these boxes in your hand. If you are at any of our physical locations today, you can go to the information desk. One of our Impact team members will hook you up with this box if you're online drop us a comment below. We will send one to wherever you are at. Inside this box, you want some wisdom? New Believers New Testament Bible right inside. You can get started today. It's got some next steps. It's got a coffee cup as our way to say congratulations. We are pumped for you. Can we give it up one more time for what God's doing through our church? Very thankful for all of you. I know this was not the most gentle or easiest of message, especially in light of what happened this past weekend. But I think we can all seek wisdom, grow in it, and set aside our own foolish sense of our own puffed up wisdom. So will you seek wisdom? I would love to pray for all of us and then I will dismiss it to the local teams. God, we thank you so much for your wisdom. We thank you so much for the wisdom that you pour out each and every single day if we are humble enough to accept it. Help us to seek your word and your guidance instead of our own throughout the coming days, weeks, and months. It's in your name we humbly pray, and we all said amen. At this time, we're going to kick it to local teams. Thank you.